What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast. Back in the win column, the Dogs are as they defeated the North Dakota State Bison by a score of 13 points this past Tuesday night, ending their two-game losing streak. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. And Noah, this was this is, of course, what we expected. We wanted to get back in the win column. We should not lose another home game for the foreseeable future, if we're being honest, just in terms of how we know we play here. But it was a team we, like I said, knew we had to beat to get back in the win column. And North Dakota State was a fine team. They had some players we really like on that. And we talked about how they lost to another conference opponent just a couple of days prior. And just a, 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 you know, a win that we obviously needed to happen, and that we did. It got dicey at times. We'll get into the takeaways. There's a big old leading takeaway of this game that happened near the end. But a win nonetheless. What's going on? Yeah, it was it was a solid win. I mean, getting back on the right track uh, and seeing guys step up and seeing, obviously, Jared Hensley in his first home game was pretty impressive for the way he played. And I think uh, Brian might have mentioned this in post game or something, but I also felt that it was basically really their their most complete game. I mean, obviously, there were some spurts here and there that were just bad basketball but both ways offense and defense is pretty pretty complete game by us and that's what we needed after two two losses in a row exactly i agree we said how if we just played a 38 or 40 minute game against wichita we win that game i agree this game did seem like our one of our most complete we know we've had spurts of that but i'd say against a better opponent you know we could have complete games against the teams we did at the start of the year but now we're doing it against these teams and like we said we like what North Dakota State had to offer biggest thing against them overall in this game no you said in the preview and it was the case they were shooting 200 something you know 260 something threes you said going into this game and they only shot 10 and they only made one of them that was near the second half so they didn't really show the three-point shooting that we thought they were going to have I guess credit to our defense along the line, but I don't think they really looked for it. We kind of had them out of sorts in a sense of some play, but we liked um, their big man, uh, Morgan. We liked who we said in the, in the uh, Bowden Scumberg in the previous matchup as well. Noah Federson was good too. I mean, they had, they had some guys. I mean, Scumberg was pretty active. He had 19. Of course, Morgan was a good player. We joked that we like to have those guys. Uh, they really led the way for them. They didn't really have much otherwise. And like I said, it was kind of a lackluster effort maybe on their part. They're riding in this in the state of Illinois just trying to get back to Fargo. Uh, but that's really on their end what all happened. They, they kind of left a lot to be desired, I think, a little bit. They, like I said, they kind of uh, made it dicey there in the second half. And at times, you know, they scored first in the whole game. and But we pulled away like we needed to. Uh, moments of this game, like Trent's two huge threes that came up uh, in those moments. The guys were talking about that of being a main takeaway. You said Jared's debut. We'll talk about that in a second. Now let's kick off with, like I said, the thing that happened in the final minute. This is appropriate. I feel like it's the most important thing to take away from this game and a game like where we did need to win and that we did. It's that Sheridan Sharp finally played his first action. You know, and we couldn't really believe it in the moment. We've We've had these moments of when a, when a player comes in, notably a freshman, where we're literally just in shock. And that's how we were with Cade last year when he finally came in, and that's how we were with Sheridan. When he played in garbage time at the end of this, we know, and Brian said after the game, that he's been cleared for two weeks. As we know, you know, if he was warming up at Duncan, he was doing that against Oklahoma State. He's been ready for the last three games. And 
I don't think this is the way you want to use him because in general, if you're wanting to mix and match him and get him into the the speed of things for the group and getting him into a rotation potentially, I think you do it in more of a setting where he can show more aside from just dribbling the ball out with 50 seconds left in this game. That's when you want to see him show that because, I mean, putting him in really, really was pointless in that aspect. No, I mean, like I said, we couldn't believe it. Your overall thoughts on this happening and the idea that they love to do this with some freshmen. Clearly, Kennard was ready to play from the get-go, thankfully. But your thoughts on this whole Sheridan situation is now it means they clearly have to play him, you know, a decent amount. Yeah, and uh, I mean, we thought there was a potential for him going in this year uh, playing right away anyhow. But, like, they've done it with Cade. Uh, last year, and thankfully he has a red shirt because we're going to have to use it this year because that we see him all year. But for Sheridan's sake, obviously, it was it's probably his decision in the end. But, like, as a as a staff, I would definitely go to him and say, hey, with Trey and X, there's not going to be a lot of minutes. So there's a potential of you redshirting unless you're just along the way. And obviously the injury stopped his development for a little bit, but listen to Brian after the game, he continued to get better even with that, even with that injury. And I don't, I don't see it happening, but a way just Brian kind of alluded, it felt like he'd be into the rotation at some point along the way this season, which is only going to help this depth of this team. But this is a coach that doesn't like to show the depth of this team. And yeah, I mean, he's been cleared for two weeks now and obviously he wasn't cleared for that blowout slew game or you definitely got him in that one and seen some action and Oklahoma state was too tight to throw him in there, but he could have got in against Austin Pete and chased around Desi Jones and those type of guys too, to just see what he had in him. But yeah, it's, it's definitely in the end, it's really NCAA. They need to go back along with the transfer stuff and look at this rule because 50, 50 seconds of a kid's freshman year should not burn his red shirt. I mean, obviously with football is a totally different story, but the four game rule really saves a lot of, a lot of kids futures and stuff like that and development. So um, yeah, it's definitely was when he came off that bench and was going to check in, I, we just both were shocked and um, hopefully, I mean, he's developed the right way and can make an impact for this team because we know, Bringing in, giving Trenton X backups will be huge for this team along the way. Exactly. And it, and it also boils down to the kind of under, you know, the lack of production that Trey Miller has had. I mean, he had five assists in this game. He did a good job in that aspect. And they were raving about him after the fact. They keep talking about how awesome of a defender he is and how he's going to get better. And Trey's only a true sophomore. He's only a year older than Sheridan, but – he has a year of college experience, and we haven't seen all of that, whether he's gotten the opportunity or not. We've said him and RJ, they just need a longer run in the game, and they could play good. Trey has proved to be, like we've said, more of an assist guy than a score guy. He did have one shot attempt. But because they rave about Trey in the post game, that just makes you think, you know, the only way that Sheridan could play enough is if he took Trey's spot. You know, there was moments in this game where we saw X and Trey playing at once, and I didn't think that was, you know, it, we've seen it before, but I don't think it's the thing that they should necessarily do. If you have one X off the ball, like how we view Lance at the end of his career, just kind of like let him do something off the ball. But I don't think that's X's game. And he needs to have the ball in his hands all the time. Um, but as you said there, the rule is ridiculous because I'm, I'm just trying to compare and contrast football and basketball. Because in football, you know, 
special teams, if you want to use them on there specifically to help the current team for dealing with injuries or something compared to basketball where, you know, clearly you don't play anywhere close to the same amount of people. You play a certain amount for the amount you have on the team. And if you throw them in there, because it wouldn't be like a minutes restriction of, okay, you, you can't reach this amount of minutes or else the red shirts burn or you can't reach this many games because then it, it messes with, I want to say they're like protecting them from their own team in terms of like, if you get in the flow and you're barely playing, he's in the he's in the rotation and the chemistry can be off if he is in and out of it per se. I don't know how they – I don't think they even take that into account, but I'm just trying to think of like why they wouldn't do that for basketball and, you know, with way more games than just football's 11 games to where four is like the percentage of that. Like I said, I'm trying to compare and contrast. It is different in its own way. I don't know what they could possibly do for basketball's sake, but 100% agree. If a guy just checks in and we were – we were both almost screaming no at, at the point. And, you know, it took like a couple of seconds before they finally end down the ball. And I was going to say, call a timeout and take him out. So he doesn't touch the ball. And no time goes off the clock, but that is what it means is you can't, again, you can't 50 seconds of garbage time shows us nothing. He just dribbled the ball out. You need to put him in a, and that's the biggest thing. We're going to see him in this next game. We would like to think a good run in that one to fully show what he can do to move forward. Um, and even, you know, he's of the type, you know, type of freshman getting his way in off injury, too, where it's like we could see some struggles. And then if he struggles, we know what Brian likes to do. Then we won't see him. And then it's like, well, if he struggles against USI in the typical moments of a freshman who's just now playing and we don't see him again, then it's 100 percent burn and we won't see him. I just can't see Sheridan playing in conference games, to be honest, like just how important we know those games are and how much X is going to play in that aspect. That's just how vital those games are to Brian and the staff and to everybody that I just can't see Sheridan getting in, to be honest. And I think this is a wasted burn to, I, unless I'm proved wrong and they do use him. Cause he talked about the things that Trey does well, that Sheridan could do get to the, you know, get into the pain as a guard and stuff like that. I just don't know if I'd see it with how this team is. Cause we'll get AJ Ferguson back here soon. And that'll mix into the rotation as well. So I just, I just don't understand it one bit. So we'll see how it plays out the rest of the way, but it definitely caught us off guard. Couldn't believe it. Same thing as Kate. Hopefully it's not a wasted freshman year for Sheridan right off injury. Uh, so, of course, we wanted to lead off with that. We'll one, keep more, mon- go. one more quick thing I w- would say is uh, another factor that could be maybe maybe they think AJ will be out longer longer than they think. So maybe this is, all right, we got to find some extra depth at that position somewhere, and maybe this playing potentially Sharp and Miller together potentially if needed give like i said find an x and trent some breaks here and there but um definitely hopefully that's not the way it could end up being with aj missing more time than we think that's a great point too we don't really know his full status we just remember the week to week at the oklahoma state game and then now it's been a couple weeks and we've been seeing christmas so yeah, that's interesting because he's been – obviously he's in the warm-ups or he's in like his street clothes or in the, in the warm-up. He's not playing clearly, and I haven't noticed anything on his leg. I think he still has something on there. But we're thinking the UIC, the UIC game after Christmas maybe. So of course, we won't see him in this next one. But that's a good point too that they just need an extra body. But they've been doing it without him for a while, so I wouldn't see the need for Sheridan to come in if they've been kind of fine without AJ to that point. But knowing how important conference play is, everybody – everybody who in you know ends up in the game could be vital in that aspect so that's a good point we'll we'll just we'll monitor this of course and 
he better he'll like I said he'll play in the next game, but we'll see how it happens the rest of the year and how he's used because it's vitally important. Um, knowing more into this game now, some other takeaways that we had. I mean, X, you know, he of course was great. He had some bad shots. He had some bad. He had six turnovers in this game. It wasn't his best game. This was probably his worst of the last however much. Clearly, um, you know, it was ten of nineteen. But I mentioned the turnovers and the some of the bad shots he had. He did have five assists. He did have two steals. Played him. He like I said, he came out the first minute. He we we saw him come out at one point through the game, and then obviously the last minute. So thirty eight minutes. I don't see how you know. Uh, you know, Trent played well, eleven points on in a bounce back game from him. Um, Forty. You know, so it's either and of course Troy played thirty seven. So those minutes are racking up for those guys for sure. But X had the typical game. At least he got to his season average, which is what we were pulling for. He got that with a couple free throws at the end. Only shot four free throws. Um, and a plus minus of 13. No segueing. Before we get to, we'll talk about Jared Hill a little bit. I mean, obviously, when he factors into this big rotation, which was an interesting one we saw yesterday, let's talk about what X and Jared can be together because we saw a lot of that. I mean, Jared had 14 tonight or last night, uh, six of 10 shooting. He was a minus four on the game in 16 minutes. I think that's what he had last game, if I'm, if I'm, Correct as well. Again, he rebounded a little bit, had four, uh, didn't assist. But we need him to rebound at his size. But, no, he's just an offensive juggernaut in his own right. He can score whenever he wants. He's able to, you know, slither around people, use his his frame well, honestly. And I mentioned that release point and just finish really well around the rim. They found him on some some dunk-offs underneath the basket that he was dunking. And, you know, it's really good knowing that he can be maybe an 80%-ish free-throw shooter and be – he can shoot the three well. Um, he didn't shoot one in this game, but when it's there, he'll do it. Uh, no, your thoughts on you already, you know, his debut was awesome. And again, 14 points. If we can get that consistently, then this team will just be exactly what we want it to be here. Talk about his game and clearly mixing and matching with X and the pick and roll, what they could do. It could be one of the most lethal tandems in the league, honestly, because Jared says good screens, X will find anybody, and they're the two top scorers. So them mixing and matching with each other, like I said, could be one of the top tandems in the league, I think. Yeah, definitely. We knew this kid was really talented, and it just sucks that NCAA took away the first set of games for him, and now he's just coming in with a chip on his shoulder and showing in a little bit of time and ended up 16 minutes, got in a little bit of foul trouble. I think you probably see him a little bit more. But he's playing that five position, and I'd like to see him at the four a little bit more. Obviously, that gives Troy a little bit more of a break, but I'd like to see him alongside one of those bigs. Um, but, yeah, definitely the pick and roll of him just – I mean, he's he, he's going to go over that right shoulder every time when he gets the ball in the post. But the pick and roll, he just – I mean, these, go, these guards, whether it's Trey, Trey or X, they're going to come off that ball screen immediately looking for them before they look for their shot, especially Trey. So they're just going to – get to the right spot and they're going to get an easy, easy look at the rim every time he had a nice dunk in this one with pretty easy, just catch and lift it up. So, um, got a little bit of a trout foul trouble. Like I said, uh, he's just obviously playing the five. He's guys try to over physical him and he tries to be physical back and just picks up some fouls. But other than that, if you moved him to the four, I think he'd be a lot better. Exactly, just like purely backing up Troy. I mean, he did out, he did outplay Troy in, in this game, and you know, obviously the guy we'll talk about next outplayed our other starting guy, and it's like 
that's what you need, though. If a guys are struggling, you, you know, we know Troy and Clarence have it in them to be great. But when they're bad, it's like, okay, do we make the starting switch? I don't think so. You keep those guys at the four or five, or you keep the other guys that were really good in this game still off the bench. It creates a deeper team, as we know. Yeah, that's the one thing with Jared is I think he'll he'll be too reliant on the left hand to where if teams shut that off, he'll he might be able to draw a foul, but that could lead to a forced shot. He was really, you know, I say trigger happy. He just wanted to get some shots up in this game, and clearly, clearly that's his best quality. So he did force some. He only missed those four of the of the ten, but you, I think we will see that a little bit. He needs to learn to go more with his right hand. That's I think his only flaw, and uh, maybe his shot selection at times, but. You know, and defensively, he can get left on an island, which, yeah, I don't, he does not need to play the five. And, you know, he is a four man. And, no, that just quickly segues us now to Scotty's performance, which was absolutely phenomenal. So, whoever we talked about in the last one, talking bad about Scotty and his free throws were the reason why we lost and Wichita and his rebounding. It's like, okay, well, now you see, and granted, it's Wichita and North Dakota State. North Dakota State, I think, is a nice team. And he was just dominating these guys. And, it was it was Clarence, Scotty, and Jarrett, the hockey subs of centers that we've said. I mean, no, it was like every three minutes, two minutes, we'd see somebody, whether they're playing good or not, they'd immediately come out. And that started with Clarence being in foul trouble. Uh, only had four points in this game. Struggled at times. He got the benefit of, what, three of those, at least three of those points, or at least the two if he finished the one. I don't remember, on a blocking call that, <clears throat> excuse me, that was, probably was a charge. He struggled. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, like I said, the hockey subs is interesting if they keep going with this. Uh, but it was it was the best game of Scotty's career, arguably. Not only was it his career high in minutes, but it's because it just keep, continues to show that what he can do in even 20 less minutes, you know, he could easily – I mean, we've said at the start of the season, we said it every episode now, how much of a game changer he is. He could be a – if he played enough – and got the run he's supposed to, 10 to 15 minutes at least, he can be a most improved player in this league if they give him the chances in the league, knowing the kind of mismatches he can create, that if he scores like he needs to and rebounds, yeah, that's the most improved player. I, th- I just remember talking about that at the start of the year, and the potential is there. Noah, your thoughts on Scotty's performance and the hockey subs of all centers? Clearly that was because Clarence struggled from the floor in general and, of course, in foul trouble, only playing seven minutes. Yeah, we know the impact we he can make. We've been preaching about it for too many years now since he's got here. And I mean, thirteen and eight with in nineteen minutes, one of four from the line. We we know we're going to expect him to struggle from the line, obviously. And he missed a couple bunnies. Um, but other than that, we the negatives are just small, tiny bit things and stuff he can work on. But other than that, the positives he gives his team. I mean him coming in and just the energy he brings is, is I don't know how you keep this guy off the floor. Obviously they want to keep him with three guys now, technically with Jarrett going to play the five, I guess with three guys. Now it's, you're probably going to see a lot of those hockey subs, keep guys fresh where some of these bigs in the league out, because I mean, if you're bringing in the start of the game of Clarence for three, Scotty three, Jarrett three, I mean, the Vilas and the Brodies are going to be worn down pretty easily. So it's a nice thing to see, but it is definitely weird because, I mean, Scotty came in for the first first time and it wasn't even two minutes. He was taken right back out. Then like 30 seconds later, he's coming right back in for Jared. It was just a really weird, I don't know. I, I, I'm i not a fan of Brian's rotation since he's 
been here as a coach and I'm still not because I mean, obviously Jared's pick and roll won't be as effective with one of the other bigs on the floor, but like if you're you need to take away put Jared alongside Scotty or, or Clarence and because Troy's thirty seven minutes, like I said, still too much, but Scotty's just so so impactful. I mean, he he was he was great defensively as well, had a big block in this one. So I mean, he was diving on the floor for loose balls and got a timeout out of it. He's one I want. He's what I want as a backup big. And 19 minutes is, I'd say that's that's max I would play him. All all I'm asking is 10 to 15 minutes, and that's all we need from him because he'll give you 10 and five in those 10 to 15 minutes. And that's why we'll continue to investigate why he wouldn't ever play. And we heard him on the post game. He sounds like a good kid. I mean, he had the highest plus minus on the team. I said that he had it in the first half. It's like, well, he's clearly playing the best, as you said. Forced a couple turnovers, dove on the floor. It's just, again, we and we said in the moment, it's a big fu to the staff the way he's been treated. That's how he plays, and he honestly plays like that. It's it's hilarious, but he's got the highest energy on the team. Him and Kennard play with the most energy on the team, and they're just in exactly. I just, I just continue. He was scoring with ease, and he had his own dunk in this that they posted. It was on some guys, and uh, yeah, I, I like the hockey subs because I agree with you that it'll wear people down. It's just the timing of it all, as you said. It's almost like when they put someone in, like they made a mistake, and then thirty seconds later they took him out because they were kind of confused on what they wanted to do. Like I said, they're going with too much analytics on like specific timing of. And, you know, of some things of what they want to do with some subs. It honestly makes no sense continuously. And I agree with you. That's the biggest thing on Brian is his rotations don't make sense. The timing of taking people out and doing everything else doesn't make sense because there's been a tons of times where as soon as he makes a move like that, it it, it, it just, you know, it something bad happens. Like even when he takes Scotty out and you put in someone else and we say, where's the rebounding? Because we let up an offensive rebound in this game or something. And then Scotty comes in and that doesn't even happen. So it's those little things that it continuously drives us insane, to be honest. I wanted to look to see how many. I mean, they had seven offensive rebounds, North Coast State did, but they had a lot of tip ins. They were living on the baseline, honestly. They kept us slipping at times on defense. But again, if we're scoring 76, we'll take a step back on defense. But like I said, they got a little too dicey there before it wasn't, thankfully. But yeah, so the big rotation is a big takeaway from this game. And I mentioned, you know, X doing his thing, Sheridan, whatever. And then, obviously, the struggles of Clarence and Troy live on. They have to bounce back here. Um, like, anybody can have a bounce back against our next opponent, but in the conference play, they have to be massive. Uh, no, let's talk – or let's just touch on the other guys who played, of course. Trent not not coming out of the game. Still played good defense. He was a plus-minus of 13. I mentioned those, those two big threes he hit in the moment of – getting the lead back above 10 whenever they got it below 10. Big threes there. Kennard, of course, he got floaters to go. He was getting to the rim. His only turnover is one. He should have had a breakaway dunk. He almost got too excited and just lost control of it. They got it. He played awesome uh, in 27 minutes, plus minus a 14. And then Noah, a guy who we obviously loved at the start of the season, and, and we still do. It's just how he's used because he only played five minutes in this one. And obviously, the you know, the – the emergence of Jarrett and then the potential whatever of AJ here coming up. Yovan seems like I'm not saying he gets phased out, but no, he's pretty one dimensional on the offensive end. He's not going to give us much on defense. He had some struggles there in general and only or plus minus a five and only three minutes. Um, 
what 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 do you think this means for Yoban? Like clearly he's going to still play, but only playing three minutes is pretty notable. Didn't even get a uh, a foul or anything. And again, is he phased out? You think, or I think we'll get, we're going to need his offense. We're going to need as much offense as possible. It's just how you kind of work him in. How do you think we should work Yovan in the rest of the way? And then we'll dive into what we think the rotation should be in starters when AJ returns. Yeah, I definitely think with Yovan, he's just in kind of a bit of a funk uh, for the last couple of games. Just struggled here a bit, a little bit. But I think definitely going to definitely going to need him. Uh, once conference play gets rolling, because like I said, this depth on this team is there. You just got to use it in different rotations and definitely find ways to get them. Obviously, I mean, right now, I, I thought you could use them a little bit more as that backup three behind Kennard, and, but they're not doing that. They're usually just strictly backing up Troy, but I mean, only giving Troy a three-minute break is not going to cut it. So I think you could slide him down for as long as AJ's out at that behind that three spot, and he'll be just fine coming in and be able to help out a little bit defensively and knock down open threes potentially if he gets that opportunity. Um, then that's where you find Jared at that four spot, backing up Troy and helping him out even more or less minutes for Troy until he gets things rolling and gets back fully healthy. Yeah, and I think the fact that they're both lefties, him and Jarek, kind of bring a different kind of thing to it as well, that playing together is a little off. I mean, that has nothing to do with it, it's just in terms of how they space each other out. We know Jarek's pretty top of the key to the rim, and Yoban likes to spread him, and he'll get his shots up. Um, he missed one inside the three-point line, and then he had a uncharacteristic kind of three, just to, like immediately hit, hit the trigger and missed it, and then he – Kind of didn't see action after that, so it's kind of his shot selection as well. But, yeah, he needs to get worked in with some different rotations. Uh, so, no, let's end this whole conversation talking about when AJ comes back. And we'll talk about this again when he does and maybe right before we know he is returning. Um, I think the biggest question is I think all the starters remain the same. It's just if you bring him back and he replaces Kennard in the starting five, it almost seems like Kennard's playing so well, so confident. You don't want to take him out of his rhythm. And the fact that AJ is off injury, you kind of want to ease him back. And that's what they'll do. They'll ease him back. They won't directly put him in the starting lineup. But maybe over time, they might make the switch back. Because, no, I would not be against a bench of Jarrett, Scotty, uh, potentially Sheridan. You know, you factor in Trey, Yovan, and AJ. That's a pretty lethal bench. Uh, it would it would make us just as deep. And, you know, it, it's kind of the same if you put Kennard on the bench. It's that in the same way. But I wouldn't be against that. Do you think, like I said, not right away, AJ would not – uh, crack the starting lineup as soon as he's back, but over time, do you think they can make that switch? I don't think it's I don't think it's anything crazy to do. Obviously, they feel like maybe they should do that, but Kennard's playing too well. What are your thoughts on it? And your overall final thoughts of this matchup? Yeah, definitely think Kennard's playing pretty well right now. So, like, whenever you, you got to work coming off a foot injury, especially uh, the little bit of the little fracture he had in his foot, I think you need to work him back in and make sure he's full go before you're if Kennard maybe gets in a little bit of a freshman slump in conference play and want to make that, that switch. But yeah, definitely. I mean, having those guys you mentioned off the bench is definitely going to help this team. And just hopefully the rotations and matchups are in our favor because this depth, we're going to definitely need it because right now you're playing two guys 40 minutes a night. And that's got to change here down the stretch once, because I think, I think it shows with Troy, at least now, kind of obviously not being 100% himself even before this, but 
asking him to play 40 minutes. I think he can – it shows he's playing worn down a little bit right here because he still makes good plays. He had some really good nice tip-outs and stuff like that, had a decent game, but I think he's worn down getting to already before we even get to conference play. I couldn't agree more. It did seem like he is worn down in his own right, like he gets tired quicker or something and definitely was used wrongfully here at the start of the season. You're right. He did have nice uh, kickouts to save possessions or at least ones that didn't. The, the attempt was there. He had like three or four of them, I think. But, yeah, I think is it him and Clarence will ease back into this and then you, you factor in everything else. But you definitely need to get – you just need to mix and match at the four and the five. That's nothing too hard to say. And you give these guys the necessary breaks that they need. Uh, so again, a a thirteen point win to get us back in the win column. Uh, saw a lot of good things. Yeah, I'd say it is one of our most complete games of the season because we saw that depth. Can't wait for AJ to return. Um, so no, no, let's get around the valley here. Um, obviously, I mean we we just talked on Monday. So the other games that happened on Tuesday with us, there were some notable ones, ones that we thought were gonna be a little closer than they were and these other non-conference matchups for some, and then there's teams playing as we speak right now. Yeah, it was a good night uh, for the Valley. Um, it started in the afternoon. Sanford took care of business against Valpo like I thought they would. Indiana State took a ended up blowing out Tennessee State 90-69. Um, that one was close throughout, though, but about – it was close for about, I'd say, about 32 minutes in the last eight minutes. Indiana State just took off and blew that one out, so that's good for the metrics. Drake blows out Alcorn State without Tucker DeVries, and Connor Enright got banged up in that one. Then Missouri State takes care of Lindenland like we expected them to. Donovan Clay did get ejected in that one. Um, White Wheeler wasn't sure exactly what happened in that one. Then right now, Arkansas State, pretty good team is beating Belmont 46-38. Tennessee Tech is on the road at Evansville. Evansville up eight as we speak. Then just a look ahead of this weekend. Incarnate Word at UIC. SEMO at Illinois State. UNI at Northern Illinois. SIUE at Bradley for tomorrow night. Friday, Drake UAB will be a good one. Hopefully Tucker's back for that because they'll need him. SMU at in Murray State on CBS Sport. Sports Network, Missouri State at St. Mary's on Saturday. So a couple good opportunities for the Valley, um, some quality matchups. So hopefully we can finish this as a as a conference, finish this non-conference season pretty strong. Yeah, I know there's a lot of favorable matchups and there's some good ops, like you said, that you would be matched up. We were, we were thinking Alcorn could cover the big spread against Drake just because of no Tucker, but we know they're one in 10. We know they don't have – they just want to collect paychecks and go play and get the heck out. So, um, you know, some of these other matchups. Yeah, Tennessee State had a lead against Indiana State in the second half, oddly enough. Belmont needs to find a way to win that home game against Arkansas State. They do have some talent, but they're four and seven. If Belmont loses that one, then I don't know. Casey needs to figure it out with his group, I would say. Good thing we host them here coming up. Uh, and yeah, Evansville should end up taking care of that to get the 10 and two on the season. Kind of wild. Yeah, some good matchups. Bradley hosting SIUE. To, they played at their place last year, and they won on that game winner, a crazy matchup. Illinois State, SEMO, a down SEMO team, and then those other games you mentioned leading up to ours as well. So, yeah, Drake and UAB and then SMU, Murray, those are some good ops for those guys. We'll see how they come up on top. Um, 
Now let's talk about, I mean, there's, there's updated Kampom and net. There was something as well. Luke had, he said that we're finally back in the top 100 in net. Uh, and obviously we know where the other teams are right ahead of us in that we're 97 UIC's right behind us at 98 Drake, 61 Indiana state, 17. And just speaking of Ken Palm X, he was another MVP last night amongst Ken Palm. He has seven Ken Palm MVPs this season, which puts him second, alone for second in the country, only behind Zach Eady, who has eight. This continues to be great things. That's a Kempom update of that sort. Uh, and like we said, we are back in the top 100 in net. So those are the metrics of where we stand today. Noah, dive into the to USI. You know, we know what we did against them last year. I mean, it was it was ridiculous, the kind of effort we put out there and got smoked at third place. They played so fast. There was really nothing we could do about it. We got slapped in the face. And they didn't even have that rebounding big man that we know is doing great things in a different place now they didn't even have in that game. So it's like maybe that would have slowed them down. I don't know. They had Isaiah Swope, who knows now the best one of the best players in the league. They just had a really good team, and it's far from what it is now. They're, they've struggled. They're a struggling team. They've played some crazy teams so far. Noah, as we know, they had a big lead or a lead against one of the best teams in the country. They've kind of been on a rocky road this so far so far this season, and they're a way different team than last year. What do they have to offer this year? Yeah, it's a total different team. I mean, in Kim Palm, they are at three thirty one. In the net, they are at uh, three thirty four. So. Uh, below 300 team, you got to take care of business. I mean, like you said, they played at SLU, at Michigan State. They played a Chicago State team, played at LaSalle, at Bucknell, at Duke, so, and at Indiana State. So they've played some really tough road games. But, I mean, really struggling this year. Lost a lot of guys to the portal. Obviously, you mentioned Isaiah Swope. Lost a lot of other guys. But led by Jeremiah Hernandez, a former uh, Barry Henson recruit. We were in on him out of high school when Barry's here. So I know him decently well following his career um, before he took off to uh, Toledo. Um, but other than that, behind him, A.J. Smith, if anybody knows Mark Smith, uh, went to Illinois in the Mizzou, uh, Edwardsville native. That's his younger brother. He's their second leading scorer and rebounder, 11 points and nine and a half rebounds a game. So averaging a double-double is pretty impressive at, at a guard uh, at 6'6". Six, six. Uh, then there's some other guys. They have big man Chiron Powell, the transfer from uh, Houston, a big man. But honestly, this is averaging only 66 points a game. They're giving up just over like 71. So this is a game where you just need to take care of business. That's bottom line. We're 96% to win in this one. They're not good. We need to smoke them. And it's a game where we said where hopefully Sheridan plays a lot because if we get a huge lead, maybe X can get his his season average in the first half. And then you you ease everything and play the guys you want to see play there in the second. I think that's – yeah, they're they're allowing more than they score. I mean, that we need to score in the 80s to 90s in this matchup at home and shoot the lights out, kind of leave no doubt, I think, in this one. Will be a 15 or more point spread. Anybody in their own right can be a dog of the game in this one, I would think. Again, we need to give them payback for what they did to us last year. Uh, that's bottom line. A team we should beat, Noah. So your final thoughts? Yeah, definitely got got back in the win column and obviously can extend it here versus a lowly opponent. So looking forward to it. It is wide out. 
and it is a six o'clock game for anybody that doesn't know that. So it's moved up an hour. Not sure why exactly. Maybe for the holidays for people to get home earlier and get ready to get on the road or whatever they got to do. So um, excited. Hopefully a big crowd uh, was not a good crowd there last night. Just under 4,000, 3,932. So hopefully a bigger crowd. Obviously students are gone, but I'm um, looking forward to get another win on the, in the win column. Yeah, there was no dog pound in the last game. That was kind of unfortunate, but we understand it. There's some that are local that showed up, and hopefully that's the case again in the next one. Need some decent crowd. Yeah, we're not a fan of Friday night games, let alone at 6 o'clock. So we'll see what the turnout will be and a hopeful big win to get us back on that win streak before we head into conference play. So for Nate Malone. No lurch. Dogs got to win big. Let's hope they do. Go dogs.